a lot of feedbacks coming in right now to the podcast, and it has actually more to do with the music, I think, than it has to do with the substance of what I'm trying to come up with or to say or to listen to. And I like that. I would really, if it were up to me, I'd just play music on this podcast because uh, there's wonderful music out there. And what we've just heard, and I know I gave you, golly, six and a half minutes of Karen Young, but that is, I... uh, I want to say that's one of the most arresting and uh, evocative and delightful and funny and memorable and tuneful um, hits of the disco era. Karen Young Detour. Don't you especially like it when she says, this guy took a detour? This guy took a detour. And that, together with the outer space vibe, makes it um, really uh, precious in thy sight, O Lord our strength and our redeemer. And this um, podcast is a very short one because I want to conclude also with a relatively longish pop disco single by Mike Francis, that Italian singer of great note and melodic hypnotic insight entitled Survivor, and that will be at the end of the podcast. But right now I want to talk about your life and my life as a detour and what this really means. What I have been uh, dwelling on in uh, recent uh, weeks is the uh, the contraption about whom I've spoken often in the recent past, which is um, my way of saying the divinity that shapes our ends, rough hew them as we may. And I would say that the experience that happened, uh, befell me at least personally, on the 2nd of April of last year is um, ever-deepening in its implications and its uh, collateral damage, or shall I say its collateral import. And that is to say that the the unity of our human life experience, which is ultimately um, animated by, blown through by means of durch und durch, that which... uh, you know, even as I'm saying this, I'm having a kind of a heavy physical reaction, which must mean it's important because whenever I get kind of a uh, kind of a lump in my or something like an ache in my heart, I know that it's um, something must be happening. But um, this uh, this um, contraption is the um, bright wind of the spirit that uh, blows in directions we don't understand and from whence we do not know, but it is to our good. And it's a one vision of reconciliation and help that is uh, um, trying to um, pull the circle around, trying to bring uh, highly disparate and often very unpleasant and suffering elements into some kind of a unity. And I see this more and more, but I've seen it even more of late because I wondered why in the world... (coughs) I mean, I'm sure you have this experience sometimes. You look back on your life and you say, why did I do this particular thing? Why was I motivated very passionately and very strongly and with tremendous fervor and feeling to do this particular, to embark on this particular course of action or to take this particular line, as they say in England. You know, they say, this is the line I'm taking. They take this particular approach, this particular perspective, this particular impulse that carried me along for maybe a long time, whether it was a person or whether it was a task or whether it was a mission or whether it was a um, just a tremendous incentive, uh, motivation, what was it? And yet it uh, didn't go so well. You know, what about the 20-year marriage that really was a mistake at the very beginning? And I'm not talking about myself, but you may know about these things. Or what about this 
this uh, thing we attempted to, 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 to do with one of our children, this course of treatment, you might say, or this course of this, this line of approach to a child's issues, and it turned out to be really a blind alley, or uh, this line of approach to my own issues that proved to be a blind alley. And I look sometimes back and I can see uh, detours, to quote Karen Young. That's why I've always loved the song. Detour. This guy took a detour, and oh, did you notice the the, the sort of almost religious background singing? The the uh, the background singers at the end. Ah, ah, boom, boom. Ah, ah. Oh, it's beautiful. It's just a kind of holiness to it. Now that's the point. What was in the detour? What was going on? And when I, uh, there are so many things that I saw on April the second that I could see now as having been parts of what is often called the day of the path. <laughs> you know, what did Kerouac say? A, a watch path never forms. Um, I could see any number of things that I hadn't been able to reconcile with a kind of unity of of some kind of purposefulness or purpose in my own life. And then on the 2nd of April, I saw in a, in a twinkling of an eye, in a moment, by the way, there's a scene in, um, near the end of, uh, image of, uh, uh, image of Josephine, the, uh, last completed full novel that Tarkington wrote when, um, in three seconds, everything becomes clear. In three seconds, and as you read it, there's so much insight into the life of people that and relationships that Booth Tarkington brings that it's entirely credible. The fact that everything comes together for two individuals in three seconds exactly makes all the sense in the world, knowing what you know prior to that of these people and of life and of their situation. And it came together for me on the 2nd of April, but some things didn't. I mean, I could go into detail and not, I, I, that's not necessary. We all have areas, patches, Clarence Carter, patches. We all have uh, things in our lives that do not seem to be really integrated into the long-term sweep of some kind of benign purpose. And I think you can name them right off the bat. You've definitely got one if you're human. You've got one and maybe four, but you've definitely got one and possibly three, probably three. What was that about what? What was it? How, how can I interpret it? What does it mean? And it seemed to be a detour. And I guess what I'm just saying is that I, uh, I've discovered recently that even some things that uh, I, I can look at, say, a detour that lasted however number of years it may have lasted, and said, "How could that be?" And uh, uh, my, I got a little scared. I, I, I honestly thought I to take a leaf out of Burton Cummings, you know, who I talked about last time. His, I'm scared. I'm terrified. Oh Lord, I'm petrified. Never been much on religion, but I surely I fell down on my knees. You know, I, I see it. I suddenly, why does he keep saying? I said to myself, why? When what motivated Burton Cummings, the genius? You know, the Canadian genius, inspired one. Let's call him the inspired singer. What? Um, what uh, isn't there a word for that in Irish? But anyway, Celtic, the inspired, uh, the Homer of 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 seventies rock, in uh, in sixties rock in um, in Canada. What inspired him to go into St. Thomas Church on that particular um, blowy, freezing cold New York afternoon, and say he was scared, he was terrified. He repeats it: "I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm terrified." Well, I, you know what? I sort of connected with that the other day because I realized it. You know, maybe this contraption is even bigger than uh, aspects of, you know, young 
love and aspects, memories of relationships. What is that song by Dennis Yost, is it? And the classics for traces of love long ago that didn't turn out right. Traces of love. Da da da. You remember that heartbreaking song? I could see the, I could see the, the contraption there in those traces, in those uh, faded photographs. Souvenirs of old love letters, pages torn in half, you know, good grief, it's so sentimental and so true. But I could see that, but could I see the, could I see the bigger detours, let's say in one's church life, one's professional life, one's uh, ideological life, one's intellectual life, one's academic life? What about those? And when I began to see that God was in those, some of them very persisting, long persisting miscalculations, um, that had terrible impact, especially on myself. Um, then I said, well, you know, golly, he, he really is the contraption. I mean, this is not just about this or that event in college. It's about everything. And at that point I said, oh, shoot. Um, and uh, then I come up with something which will lead us in a short moment or two to the power and the joy of what Mike Francis has to teach us from the great world of uh, – I guess we call it Italo, but I don't think that's actually right. By the way, this broadcast uh, podcast is dedicated to the Minister of Edits, the Minister of Edits, known as J-A-Z. Now, I'll say one other thing. Uh, I just had this little window into how uh, completely mistaken I was. Uh, this is just a, it's, it's an aside, but it's relevant to me because I, I was so mistaken about so many things. And one of the things that I did, I, I put a tremendous amount of time into applying or getting into job searches for to be the rector of various. Episcopal parishes. Oh, maybe 25, <laughs> maybe 40, but maybe 25 that I really was interested in. You know, this is what you never need to do. Never, ever, ever, ever do. Never get involved in a job search from your end. Never say, oh, you know, I want to apply for that. I mean, people do, and we're told we should, but it's a mistake because uh, looking back on it now, because it's all about you. It's all about something you're looking for, some kind of kick that you want to get from some something. You never tell yourself quite why you're doing it, but you're, certainly your dissatisfaction where you are must be rooted in something important, which is not to say we don't move and we don't move properly and rightly to various different jobs. But for myself, let's call it a mistake. But I was looking uh, in some parishes that I had known earlier, uh, several parishes that I knew very well, some of which I had actually been a candidate to be the rector of. I won't, obviously, the names there, whether they're in Chicago, whether they're in South Carolina, or whether they're in, you know, Illinois or uh, Missouri or um, Minneapolis, you know, you look at them now, and one of the things that you see that's really a, a colossal um, sort of detour is that almost all these parishes, this is for you who care about these things, but I'm sure you can apply it to other aspects of your life. They always have a mission statement, the, the search committee, the rector search committee, you can find it on the internet, that, that this is what the rector search committee is looking for in the new rector of St. So and so in such and such a place, and um, it goes almost always like this: We are looking for. We believe that uh, this parish is on the verge of a wonderful new chapter of growth and uh, missionary mindedness and uh, uh, potential for the work of the kingdom of God and making disciples of Jesus Christ. So far, so good. 
And we need a rector to carry St. So-and-so, let's just call it St. John's, St. John's to the next level, or we believe the potential now is unlimited, or although we've had our problems, we believe that now is the time for uh, a a, a rector to come in and lead St. So-and-so in this great vision. What will St. John's be in five years? We want someone to to, um, elucidate and then to carry through a vision, so St. John's will be such and such a thing. And as I read it today, and you would believe the number of statements in rector search letters to congregations that are on the internet that have this, and it's not a new thing. It, it, these kinds of statements about parishes that are written by search committees are, have been going on forever, and I've seen many of them, and they're all based on a profoundly uh, a mistake. And this is where you have to say, where's the contraption in this? How could I have fallen for this? It's a well-meaning mistake. But, and the mistake, it's not a mistake of ideology or a, you know, a, a judgment on them or a judgment on me, a judgment on you or a judgment on, on the church. It's a, it's a mistake. It, it's, a, it's a form of abstraction. These people are saying there's such a thing called St. Thomas Church, and there's a vision for St. Thomas Church, and we want you to 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 give a to 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 embody uh, to help this church become this this thing, and it's an abstraction because that's actually not where you begin. That may happen. That may be what the result is. Looking back on it, but really the purpose of a of a priest or minister of of any personal description is that she or he um, is called to a, a group of people who are trying to interpret their lives in light of God and the religion of Christ and the Holy Scriptures. And they're calling this woman or this man to help them interpret their lives. Granted, they're a group of people, but interpret their lives and understand their lives in light of something very, very large and very big and very true and very massive and very deep. Let's call it deep. And in doing so, they individually and and in some sense, collectively, will come to a, a, some kind of wisdom and understanding that will enable them to be free and emancipated human beings. And this will have the result in prayer and in life and in some kind of atmosphere of love and, and community to it will end up winning and attracting people who, like every person who's ever been born in this entire world from the beginning to now, need some kind of help with the suffering of life and the massive uh, impasse uh, and the, de- 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 the demolition derby that life becomes, because everybody is essentially demolished by some aspect of their lives, whether it's physical or mental or emotional or circumstantial, everybody ends up for some reason or another being demolished. And so the purpose of the church is not to be an abstract church called St. John's that is going to become something, but rather, although it that's a description, but rather a, the purpose of the church is to help be, is to be a hospital for those who have hit the wall by which they can both be loved and then come to interpret their lives in such a way that gives them peace, serenity, and finally freedom from uh, false delusion and restriction and, and arbitrary uh, demands and requirements that keep them in prison. And that through forgiveness, atonement, love, power, and hope. And yet, so, so to say to some poor bloke or some poor woman that we want you to make this, this thing called St. John's Church is ready to move to the next level, that's a, 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 an abstraction. It's like well, I used to have a bishop friend who, um, a very nice guy as a matter of fact, um, who was a contemporary of mine who became sort of suddenly, surprisingly, a bishop. But he began to use a, a form of speech that always made me kind of troubled. Uh, probably I should have been more amused, and I never would speak to him about it. He said, well, he said this week, he would say, in a public address in some parish, he said, I've been out and about in the diocese. 
he was always being out and about in the diocese. And I said, well, now, what does he mean by that? What is the diocese? Well, the diocese is presumably a geographical um, area bounded on the north, south, and the west, and east um, that uh, contains various parish churches where people who are Episcopalians meet. So in a sense, the diocese is, is those people who call themselves Episcopalians. But does the diocese, qua the word D-I-O-C-E-S-E, really have any meaning that's not abstract? No, it's essentially an abstraction. There is a group, there is an entity which you could describe as the diocese, but you're not in the diocese. You're, you're out and about among individuals or among people. You're helping them. You're trying to interpret, especially to the clergy, the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. But something about the diocese, it was an abstraction. I, I, I know what he meant, but it was not really real. We spent a lot of time fighting unreal things. Just listen to any of them, as I said last time, any cable news network, and everybody's fighting. I mean, whether it's income inequality or whether it's uh, uh, you know unfairness vis-a-vis Obamacare and what uh, the Secretary of Health, H-E-W, you know, Mrs. Sebelius, Secretary Sebelius uh, is doing. These are all sort of huge projected abstractions. Uh, there are individual problems, in, and we have enough of them, Lord knows, but there's this massive need that people have to abstract something into an idea, and then, of course, it becomes a, it become, if, you, if you do that, 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 then you can live in the world of pummeling and uh, attack this idea versus that idea, and then you, then you basically waste your entire life. And so um, I wanted just to put that in, that we're not dealing – I often would say, you know, I actually believe this. I, I, would, I, I was once called to a parish where they said, we want you, Paul. We believe that we are now positioned, quote, positioned the parish to have an impact and to do something that we've never done. And we're calling you to, to move us to the next level. Well, see, the whole – that's too collective. Wasn't there a famous author, I forget who it was, who said, I no longer believe in collectives. I only believe in individuals. Well, what they, sh- what they meant or what I wanted to say to them, I'm here to help you interpret the struggles of your life in such a way that you will, you will become uh, – you, you, you will be helped. And the result – one of the results of being helped is you – certain ideas may occur to you about this, that, or the other thing, that this old institution with which we are connected, for better or for worse, at this point in our lives, might be able to sort of lend its collective weight to do certain things that might have value. But the the shoe has to be on the concrete, uh, and then the abstract will come from it. But I just thought I'd throw that out because I lived all my life or many years of it in a kind of detour of a of groups against groups and idea positions against idea positions and schools of thought versus schools of thought. And these things all collapse in the face of the sheer impenetrable demolition derby that life actually pulls on you. And that's when you need to understand about the contraption and the power and the fact ultimately that even the worst thing that has happened to you is some form of a detour which was meant because it was the only way you could ultimately get to that point given the kind of stony ice-like glacial person you are in terms of change or hope or getting anything through your thick skull I'm talking about me that the detour proved to be actually the pilgrim's the pilgrim's way the king's highway and I do believe that now I'm going to close by uh, simply uh, when I was in whenever I'm in really hard times um, I find that this song which was first brought to my attention very vividly by a son of ours who said, Dad, this is really, you really, this will, listen to this song. And it really helped me. So I prevent, uh, present to you um, by a man whose first language, as you can tell, is not English. Uh, one of the great, um, um, really 
dear and um, what do I want to say? Sympathetic uh, songs of the Italian Renaissance. See you. 